0: This is Focal Point for Friday the 4th of December 2009. We're talking about Personal Productivity 2.0. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Padney and Gihan Pereira
1: for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you? I'm very well Gihan, how are you?
0: I'm happy. I'm enjoying a few days away in Busselton, planning for next year, getting ready for the start of 2010, so having a good time.
1: Excellent. Good to hear.
0: And you've just had a big move.
1: I have, yes. We've uh, moved uh, one street in Mosman Park, and that meant spending eight days without a broadband connection, and I found it rather an anxious time to have. Yeah, how did you survive? Uh, well, I survived by... <laughs> contacting my ISP every day and saying, can I have the internet yet, please?
0: But luckily for you, they sent you an email message saying that your broadband access had been delayed.
1: Yes, uh, I'd sent in a relocation request and then they disconnected it at one end and then a few days later they sent me an email saying, uh, we're having trouble with your phone number. <laughs> um, of course, I didn't read that email until they reconnected my service, so that was a bit of a dumb thing for them to do.
0: Yes, some people don't think. <laughs> Oh, well, all right. So today, we're getting close to the end of 2009. We've covered a lot this year. And we did a podcast a while ago about this idea of this always-on culture and how to protect yourself from being accessible 24-7. So there's a little bit about personal productivity. But even if you put those ideas into practice and you manage your own accessibility so you don't get interrupted by others, there is, of course, more to being productive online. So today we're going to be talking about how you stay on top of things like email and web browsing and Twitter and podcasting and taking part in online communities, not so much how not to be interrupted by other people, but how to manage it yourself. So today we thought we'd share some ideas with you, and we're going to do 20 of them about personal productivity in a Web 2.0 world. So we're calling this 20 tips in 20 minutes. So Chris, you and I picked five broad topic areas with four tips in each of them, two from me, two from you. So why don't we get started? Are you ready?
1: Yes, I am. So let's kick off with the first uh, section, and that's going to be email. And my first productivity tip in this area is imploring people to use the spelling checker. Now, that's not about your personal productivity. That's about my personal productivity, because whenever I receive an email that's poorly written, full of spelling errors and grammar errors, uh, I find it completely illegible. And uh, so my productivity goes down as a consequence of uh, the people who composed the email not having taken the time to check their spelling. So that's my first tip. The second one is that if you have uh, an email account that receives high volumes of email traffic then I'd recommend turning off uh, automatic checking for email or at the very least just extending the period between uh, the times that it checks. because. If you're continually getting notifications that an email message has arrived, that amounts to an interruption, and interruptions um, are a really good way of destroying personal productivity. So either turn off the automatic notification, and when you want to check email, check it manually yourself, or at least extend the period to, say, 30 or 60 minutes between checking for email.
0: Okay, so that second tip leads Mm -hmm. into the first one of mine which is don't use email for urgent notifications. So people have a tendency to think of email as a tool. If I need something done urgently, I'll send somebody an email. But get out of that habit. Get out of the practice of responding to email urgently. If there's urgent communication, use the phone and teach other people and train other people to use the phone for, for urgent communication and use email for non-urgent things so that you don't have to do, as you said, keep checking your email all the time or have your automatic email, checking for email every five seconds so the first thing don't use your email for urgent notification and the second thing is I know all the email productivity experts say this but they say it because it's true don't use your inbox as your to-do list in fact my rule is always have an empty inbox so whenever email arrives I will file it away if I can't take action on it immediately but they'll get filed away into different, different areas depending on their urgency their importance whether I have to put it aside for reading later where they have to action it. But the idea is that it doesn't sit in my inbox waiting as my de facto to-do list. And the the reason for that is as soon as you do that, if you make your inbox your to-do list, then you are creating your priorities based on other people's uh, requirements. It means that you're always being responsive and reactive rather than being proactive. I like it. Great. Okay. So that was the first category was about, The second category is about web browsing. Uh, maybe I should start with this one, Chris. Yep, yeah. go ahead. Okay, so I've got two broad tips here, and uh, the first one is, well, I think the first one would be to use Firefox as your web browser rather than Internet Explorer, but really, once you get Firefox, get the Read It Later plugin. It's a very little hand, a handy little tool that when you come to a web page that you want to look at and explore a little bit later, but you're not really in the, in the, um uh, mindset for uh, exploring that you just click this little tick and it goes into a read it later folder. It's like a bookmarks folder except that it's a little, it's got a few extra features in there and you can go back and then when you set aside time for reading you look at the bookmarks that you've set in, in that get it, uh, read it later folder. You might think that's just the same as setting up bookmarks and favourites but try it out and you'll see how different it is. It also allows you to share those bookmarks with something else, say an iPhone, so that if, uh, if you've got five minutes spare and you put your iPhone handy, you can just go to your Read It Later folder and read some of the things that you had planned to do, so you make the most of that five minutes. So that's the first of my tips. The second one is, more and more websites now have RSS feeds. Uh, So you'll see a little orange icon that says RSS feed, and that's typically for blogs, but other websites as well have these little feeds. So if you see a website that you like and you want to keep getting updates from them, and it has a little RSS icon on there, Uh, use that, click it to add it to your RSS reader, and I use Google Reader. Uh, It then means that you don't have to keep going back to that website, you just look in your list of blogs and whenever something new arrives, it just appears automatically in your blog reader, in your RSS reader. So look for RSS feeds and subscribe to them.
1: Great, Uh, I certainly can advocate using web feeds. Now I'm going to be greedy with the web browsing section, I'm going to uh, give three tips the first of those is to get the Google toolbar. Now there's one for Firefox and I believe there's also one for other browsers like Internet Explorer and also if Google's not your search engine of choice uh, then I think Yahoo for instance also has a toolbar for their search engine and the reason for getting that is that people tend to do a lot of searching online and so rather than having to go to say Google's website and then entering your query the toolbar allows you to enter the query directly into a little text box on the toolbar and you can submit your search to Directly, and then get your search results. And as well as that, there are other buttons for searches like maps and images and shopping and Google News and if you've got a Gmail account, uh, linking to that as well. So there's lots of other useful shortcuts, as well as things like filling out web forms automatically and um, highlighting any of the search terms on our search results page. So that's my first tip. The second is to make use of tabbed browsing. Most modern browsers allow you to have multiple tabs with different web pages in them, and that's really convenient. Um, In particular, one of the things that you can do with your Google search preferences is that when you click on a search result Google's given you, um, it opens that in a separate tab rather than taking you away from the search results page and opening the the, uh, the landing page that you've clicked on. And then when you've looked at that page and found, oh, actually, that's not what I was interested in, you have to go back to Google and enter your query again or click the back button, and it's just a, a kind of waste of time. Whereas if you configure your preferences to open each search result in a separate window or separate tab, then you've always got your original search results there that you can go back to with a, a click of tabs or a change of windows. Now, my third te- tip is... Is to use uh, the auto completion feature that you have in things like Google's search window. So you start entering a query and then Google uses uh, its its history of all the different queries that have been submitted and it suggests to you a set of queries that match the, the, the words or the typing that you've entered into the search box. And that's really convenient. Often you can type just a few letters and the query that you want to uh, submit is actually one that's been suggested to you. So you just click on that and away you go. And similarly Firefox and I think Internet Explorer too, when you uh, click in the address bar and you want to enter a URL, Then again, you just enter a few letters and it makes a few suggestions. And this could be if you've typed in the word like, uh, Michael, then it might suggest that you've been to a page in which the, which had a title Michael Jackson as say a news page. So it'll, it'll suggest that URL to you or it was actually in the URL's address. So it gives you that as a suggestion. So all of these uh, things allow you to do a little bit of typing and tap into the wisdom of the crowds or tap into your searching, your, your browsing history and with the click of a button you can quickly go to that query or to that address without having to type it in full. And one of the things that this relies on is your ability to touch type. So if you can't touch type, then it's of limited utility. So I would suggest that people, as a New Year's resolution, if they can't touch type, make it something that they do in 2010.
0: Okay, so the third category is, uh, like we've been saying for the last few years, that Web 2.0 is all about collaboration, it's all about communities, it's about taking part in forums, commenting on other people's blogs, answering questions on LinkedIn, and all of that stuff's important, and you have to do it, and that's not something that you can, you can trim back or, or cut back time on. You need to do those things, but how can you be more productive as you're doing them? Perhaps you'd like to start, Chris, in this area.
1: Sure. I've just got the one-tip part as far as the communities and collaboration websites goes, and that's with regard to Facebook. So if you have a Facebook account, uh, during the year, Facebook changed the layout of the homepage. So when you went to Facebook and you were already logged in, the way in which it presented information to you was changed, and I found that that was really, really messy because um, on Facebook I'm a fan of lots of bands, lots of TV shows, lots of comedians, And many of them are prolific in posting news items to their um, to their particular profiles, and they just cluttered up my homepage on Facebook. And that was because I had my news feed as the top item on my Facebook homepage. What I was really interested in when I go to Facebook is what my friends are doing, rather than what uh, the, the people I'm fans of are doing. So the thing that I needed to do was drag my status updates to the top of the list of things that your homepage presents to you and make sure Newsfeeds was below that. And once I'd done that, that was a much clearer, um, a much less cluttered homepage that I had on Facebook and I could see the things that I was most interested in. First, if I wanted to find out what my favourite shows and favourite bands were doing, then I could just click on the news feeds link and then I would find that information.
0: Okay, and you've only got the one tip because you are greedy before, etc.?
1: I was, yes. I'm, I'm going to acquiesce to you on this one, Gihan. Huh? <laughs>
0: All right. So the, I've got two tips here, and this is not specifically to Facebook, but broadly t- taking part in communities. The first one's a very simple one that just evaluate what you're what you're contributing, and if it doesn't really add value, don't do it. There's not much point contributing to a blog post by commenting, going, I agree, or 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 I disagree or something like that that doesn't really add value so make sure that everything that you do adds value and that that not only helps the the community and the people who are then reading that it saves their time of course but also means that you don't waste all your time spending time just going around agreeing with people or just disagreeing with people or trolling which is putting um, deliberate comments to incite responses but everything that you're doing is adding value so you only do the most productive things
1: I agree I
0: Very funny. (laughs) The the second thing I'd I'd suggest, and this is particularly for people who want to increase their online presence, is that every time you contribute to something like this, you're typing text, you're typing stuff of value, so why not reuse that? So take use of that, uh, the time that you've spent and the energy and the effort and the, the thinking time you put into that, cut and paste whatever your response was and post it to your blog. So there's material that you could easily be blogging about um, that you've contributed elsewhere, and uh, instead of just leaving it there, make double use of it by putting it to your, by pasting it into your blog as well. And I do that every time I answer a LinkedIn question, I will then cut and paste the question and my response and put it in the blog. I recently on a webinar answered a. a participants' question, I emailed them the answer separately, and so of course I was able to take that and copy that into my blog. Now, you do that in a way that you protect their identity and you don't violate copyright, uh, but in general, it's your material, so you're completely entitled to copy and use it.
1: Very good. So the next section we're going to talk about was Twitter, which has been uh, a really big thing in 2009. Um, I've started using Twitter this year, so do you want to lead off with a couple of suggestions on using Twitter, Gehan?
0: I will Chris, I will and um, there are a lot of people who are still not on Twitter so you may be getting onto Twitter so my first tip is when you start using Twitter you sign up from the Twitter homepage but don't use the Twitter homepage as a place where you are doing all your Twittering either reading or tweeting because it gets too cluttered there's too much stuff on there there are a lot of useful tools now uh, software applications that are free that will allow you to make better use of the one that I use and the one probably the most popular is known as TweetDeck um, you can get it from TweetDeck.com. It's available for PC, Mac, iPhone, a number of platforms. And they describe it like an air traffic control for your Twitter feed. Um, the main benefit of TweetDeck is it allows you to group all your followers, the people that you're you're following, what they say, into different groups. In the same way, Chris, as you said, you could put your news updates separately from your status updates in Facebook. Uh, this is the same sort of idea that you you say... I want to hear Chris Padney's tweets, I want to hear so-and-so, so and you put them in one column, and then as the tweets come in, tweet TweetDeck group them and categorize them into different columns. And it makes it so much easier because now your tweets are organized in separate columns which you can then read or delete in one go if, if there's too many of them in there. You can prioritize them, and it just makes it so much easier because your tweets are organized rather than coming in as one big stream. So that's my first tip. The second tip is when you start using Twitter, it's very easy to to waste a lot of time. And the simplest way not to waste time is to separate your time into reading time and tweeting time or, or even just scanning time, skimming time, sorry, skimming time versus scanning time. So skimming time is where you quickly go through them and decide what you want to look at further and the scanning time is when you actually investigate them further. So what I do is, whenever I want to have a bit of downtime, I just want to have a five-minute break, I'll open up TweetDeck, have a look at what tweets come in, and the the ones that I like or look interesting, I'll add them to my favourites. And TweetDeck makes it very easy to add them to your Twitter favourites. And that's all. And then I'll close down TweetDeck and I'll go back to my other work. Then, when I set aside time when I specifically want to go and do some research, I can go through my favorites, click the links, look at them in more detail, and then decide what to do with them. But because I've separated that time, it means that I never get into the uh, situation where I think, oh, let me just take a five-minute break, and it turns into a 15 or 20 or 50 minute break. It just doesn't, because I'm disciplined about, in that five minutes, just pushing them aside for, for later readings.
1: Very good. And something I've found throughout uh, using Twitter this year is that I started trying to write um, maybe one tweet a day, but now it's most, mostly reading time. And I do that one one time at one time a day towards the end of the day. And I wasn't aware of TweetDeck, and I use uh, Power Twitter. So this idea of being able to group uh, your your fo- the people you follow into different groups is uh, a great feature. I'm going to talk a bit about that as part of my tips. The first of which is to be ruthless with uh, the people that you follow. So some of the people that I follow are very pro- prolific, but the tweets that they um, offer are, are relatively mundane. So one of my favourite comedians, Arj Barker, I uh, I did follow him, but uh, his tweets were not so much funny tweets, not, not so much about his comedy, but rather, you know, I'm getting on a plane to head to Sydney for my tour of Australia. Um, I'm on the plane now. We're just about to take off. Okay. I'm having to turn off my mobile phone. So they were, there were a lot of tweets from Arj that uh, sort of pushed all the more interesting stuff uh, off my feed because you only see a limited amount when you're on your Twitter homepage, unless of course you're using TweetDeck. Um, so yeah, so I, I unfollowed Arj. Uh, and, and a few other people who were just giving relatively boring tweets uh, that weren't particularly interesting. The alternative um, is to make use of a new feature that Twitter's come up with called Twitter Lists, which allows you to group together uh, different kinds of uh, people that you're following. So this sounds a lot like the feature that you described in TweetDeck, Gihan, where you can, say, put together all the people that have got high-value, interesting tweets that you want to read uh, versus, say, just the more casual... Uh, Uh, tweets that perhaps your friends and colleagues are doing that allow you to find out what your friends are up to but aren't necessarily as interesting and high value as uh, the the people that you don't know but you're following them because they they say things that are interesting and help you with your research.
0: Yep, that's right. And I think the thing that we both say about Twitter is it's growing and pretty soon it's going to be as common to have a Twitter address and be using it actively as it is to have an email address now and to be using that actively. So uh, get used to Get
1: used to Twitter and be really productive with it. Yeah. So the next section um, is audio and video, and uh, audio and video sharing has been around as part of Web 2.0 for uh, a few years now, and YouTube, I think, is one of the most popular websites on the Internet for video sharing. Do you want to lead off with your tips for audio and video online, Gihan?
0: Sure, I will, Chris. And both of my tips are based around the fact that audio and video is much harder to quickly skim through and get the gist of. So if you're reading an article or a web page or a blog post, it's very easy for me to quickly look at it and make an assessment of whether to um, whether I like it or not. And with audio and video, it's a lot harder to do that because you generally have to listen or watch a reasonable caution to, do, to get the feeling for it. So both of my tips are around that. So the first one is... I like audio better than video because I can listen to audio while multitasking. So at the gym, on my bike, when I'm doing certain kinds of work, um, when I'm walking, so which which is very hard to do with video. Uh, So I would choose audio over video wherever possible. And sometimes even with video, even if all you've got is video sometimes the vision isn't essential so there are, there are a lot of like interviews which are just talking heads where I could have them on my iPhone the video is playing but I don't really care about watching it all I need to be sure of is that I've got my earphone plugged in and uh, I can listen to the audio and that's good enough So that's my first tip so go for audio over video if possible the second tip is about fast forwarding. So you can certainly do that with video that you can, uh, especially if it's informational like non-fiction type video, you can certainly fast forward over the boring bits. But even with audio you can, uh, sorry, you can do that with audio as well, but specifically with audio with my iPhone, my iPhone has a great option, which I don't know why they didn't have this before, where I can play podcasts at twice the normal speed. And they've done it in such a way that the pitch doesn't change, so the people don't sound like chipmunks, but they sound like they're speaking much faster and it's surprising how how well that still comes across that you in fact, if I didn't tell you that and I played it for you, you might you might think, "Oh, they are speaking a little bit fast, but you wouldn't guess that it is twice the normal speed, so it means I can now consume my audio podcast twice as quickly and I, and I can do twice as much as I used to.:
1: Excellent, so in fact, this could be twenty tips in ten minutes.
0: Hey, <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
1: Well, my two tips, I'd like to follow on from your multitasking point, Gihan, and that is to find a a good balance. So podcasts are great for multitasking, but there are even some things that uh, you need to set – there there are some tasks that you can't do whilst – um, listening to podcasts so I'm still trying to find that happy balance I sometimes find myself listening to an interesting podcast while I'm going through my emails for work and or trying and trying to respond to them and I get to the end of it and I found I haven't really written much, processed many of my emails and I can't really remember what that podcast was about so things like you know when you're at the gym or perhaps in the car listening to podcasts is could good good time for that or certain types of work. But, uh, yeah, you do need to be careful about multitasking when it comes to listening to audio and, of course, watching video. You can't uh, drive whilst watching video, obviously. And, uh, of course, the final tip about audio and video is to subscribe to the wonderful Focal Point podcast. Uh, If there's one podcast you must subscribe to, you've got to start with the Focal Point podcast.
0: (laughs) Good advice, Chris. What can I do but endorse that one?
1: Absolutely. You should.
0: (laughs) Yes I will subscribe to that immediately. <laughs> good. I think we did a pretty good job Chris. I think we did get through our 20 tips in 20 minutes and I think that we um did yeah stuck to our stuck to our time limit pretty well.
1: Well, for those of our listeners who've uh, come this far, then we're going to offer them a bonus tip. And that's with regard to the rise of cloud computing. Now, it's possible these days to store your contacts, your bookmarks and favourites, web feeds, appointments, email documents, all sorts of things can be stored online rather than being stored on your PC. And when you do that, that means you can access them from a variety of locations. So, if you've, you can access them from your workplace, you can access them from home, you can access them from a mobile device while you're on the road or whilst you're travelling, and that's a, a great uh, productivity booster. It means that you don't have to waste time synchronising or copying files to and from different devices and planning ahead, it just means you've got them all in one location that's accessible wherever you have internet access, and that's something that I'm increasingly trying to do. Um, even though I'm relatively homebound, I work from home and I also <laughs> live at home, uh, I'm trying to move more of my stuff. For on more of my stuff online so I can access it from all over the world.
0: I think that is a good tip, Chris, and I'm doing the same, especially this year since I got my first a smartphone, which happens to be an iPhone, and I'm now accessing information from two places. It's a pain to synchronize it, which I do every day anyway, because that's how the iPhone works. But there are other documents that I want to be able to access when I'm not at home and I I haven't gone to the trouble of synchronizing. And using things like Google Docs and Dropbox and a few things like that means that it's easy for me to get them, get access to them from either place without having to plan it and think about it beforehand.
1: Excellent. Well, I think, Gihan, we've we've covered a a lot of good tips, but I'm sure there are others out there. So if any of our listeners want to uh, suggest any tips to us and to our audience, then uh, we invite them to visit the Focal Point blog, and in the comments section for this particular podcast, please give us your productivity tips.
0: Yes, please do that. Thanks very much, Chris. I really enjoyed our podcast today. Yes, and I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks' time. That's right. We're getting very close to the end of 2009, so we've got one more podcast for the year, and that will be looking back at the predictions that we made in January of this year as our top 10 uh, online trends for 2009, and we'll see how well we did or how how, how badly we did. Yes. So see you in a couple of
1: weeks' time, Chris. Speak to you then, Gihan. Bye for now.
0: You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gihanperera.com forward slash podcast. That's G-I-H-A-N-P-E-R-E-R-A dot com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to all our past issues, or leave us your comments and questions. We look forward to having you back next time.